Hello, and welcome to Nick Flanagan Weekly. I am Nick, and this is the show that I just introduced, Nick Flanagan Weekly. Part gratitude list, part insane journals of a wild man, part mental health check-in, and sometimes also a conversation with an interesting person who is not me. And that's what it is tonight, today. Whenever you're listening to this, that's what it is. Today, it's Vic Chong, uh, Victoria Chong, a.k.a. New Chance, an old friend of mine who reminded me in the interview that she was doing video work for a long time and a few years ago switched into electronics. And uh, wow, like her music is awesome. It's on Spotify. It's on Bandcamp. All of the links are in the episode description as well as the... Uh, um, end of the episode and uh yeah so so be sure to check that out because she is just great uh and our talk was great it was you know she's just somebody i've sat around with and and shot the breeze with uh quite a lot and uh, i think that really comes through in the interview you know and that's true of emily mover it's true of elizabeth mann um it's true of chris Locke, tim gilbert all my friends Chris, Scott Thompson, even these are all people who I just really love talking to. And part of the joy of this podcast is coming to you uh, and showing to you that I can have a normal conversation, <laughs> not just alone. I went to the record store today. Uh, let me tell you, this is what I'm grateful for. I'm grateful for friends who work at resale places because um, if, if you're not friends with somebody, it's not that they'll give you a deal. They basically can't give you a deal. Why would they need be, should they give you extra money? This is their job. They can't do that with ease. But if they don't know you at one of these resell, you know, the kind of place where you go to sell books or CDs, DVDs, if they don't know you and you show up with your product, they will laugh in your face. This stuff to a commercial vendor is worthless. And if there's any problem with it, it is less than worthless. You've wasted their time. Plus, their job is handling used goods. It's a terrible job. I've done it. You, if you're listening to this and you're in my demographic, likely you have done it. And it's not fun. So, uh, however, when you strike up a, a friendly uh, rapport with the, somebody who works at one of these places... Uh, everybody's happier you accept the no money they can give you or the money because you know they're your friend and no one is disrespectful and uh that's what i like i'm this is is this is this gra gra gratefulness based on a true story you be the judge but don't judge me you know what i mean judge a situation but i don't want you coming out of this saying oh nick he's the kind of guy who resells everything this is the kind of guy who probably collects scrap metal and goes down to the junkyard once a month and gets $30. Yeah. I wouldn't not do that, but I'm just saying, I think it's fine to do that. You're listening. I'm not going to tell you not to listen to the podcast. We need every listener we can, <laughs> but rethink your, your philosophy. What else am I grateful for? I am grateful for, oh, the Transac. I'm a member of the Transac. The Transac is this strange Australian social club that hosts community events and music uh, every day of the week in three different uh, sp uh, spaces in the building. 
uh, two to three shows a day. Um, and I went and saw uh, this amazing musician, Matt Dunn, last night, uh, last minute. He sent out an email. He's got albums out. You should check him out. Matt Doc Dunn. He's got Sacred Lamp with A.L. Senior, who's been on the podcast a lot. I love that I can just walk uh, from my house and, and be at the Transact. I've performed there a lot. And uh, it's just amazing. So I'm just going to give you two pieces of gratitude today uh, because I really want to just get into the episode. But if you are enjoying it, uh, consider throwing some support to the podcast, co-fi.com slash Nick Flanagan and patreon.com slash Nick Flanagan. Of course, subscribing, rating, reviewing is also amazing to do, and I don't expect you to give money, but if you can and you want to, it really helps the podcast uh, thrive. Okay. New chance, Victoria Chong. Check her out on Bandcamp, Spotify, and right here on Nick Flanagan Weekly. Enjoy the show. For Vic, Victoria. I always introduce myself as Victoria, but everybody calls me Vic, and I like that too. I feel like I do both. Yeah, both are acceptable. How long do you think we've known each other for now? I think we've known each other for seventeen years. Did you check? Say. No, I just thought two thousand two sounded like a safe. Yeah. A safe bet. I think two thousand four sounds like a safe, safer bet. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe so. It just feels like it's possible. It's possible. I mean, I don't, I don't like to over exaggerate the years because <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I tend to do that. Do you ever look back? Are you a reminiscing type of person? I mean, I re- you mean at our friendship? <laughs> <laughs> do you ever look back on the times we've had? I guess a couple times I've, I've looked I've, back on certain times. I have looked back before, yeah at, yeah, at moments. Mostly it would just be like sitting around, relaxing, <laughs> yeah. having a stimulating chat, you know, yeah. road trip maybe here and there. Uh huh. Um, Did we take a road trip? I don't think so. <laughs> That'd be nice. <laughs> but imagine. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were in Los Angeles at the same time, and I feel like maybe we were in a car together. Technically, that's a road trip. They're long drives. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know. Right now, the feng shui, so to speak, of... Uh, the podcasting setup I have, I thought it was so good, but I'm like not facing it. So it feels weird. <laughs> yeah. But I'm going to try to reposition it slightly. Like, I don't like even like having the headphones on. It's yeah. kind of as if we're driving in a car and you're the driver and I'm the passenger. And we're <coughs> like, just like looking at the road. I'm like Morgan Freeman. You're Miss Daisy. No, because I'm in the front seat. I see. So you're. I don't. There's this analogy no was probably ill chosen. There's no way I'm going to go for that analogy. <laughs> There's no way I would ever go for that. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Avoid the be. analogy. You don't want to get canceled. I don't want to be that. Have you ever been canceled? No. But did you get a vaccination recently? You have a band-aid on your <laughs> I had blood taken today. To donate? No. No. Just for testing. Oh, God. <laughs> Uh, I went, I took a pulmonary function test the other day. You did? Yeah. How, how was it? It was crazy. Oh yeah. What did they do to you? Okay. So they make you like run close to it. No, they don't make us run us, me. They don't make me run. (laughs) Yeah. They make, uh, you go into this room. It's a small room. There's a person working in this case. It was a lady and, uh, she was like 
okay, go into this little booth. And it's a booth. Uh, it almost resembles the one that you go to for like TSA. Uh, you know, you hold up your arms and they can see all your parts or whatever. Yes. It's kind of looks like that, but there's like this weird kind of uh, tube kind of thing that almost looks like a mic stand or, you know, uh, like one of those things that you used to like set up a mic. And she says, okay, wrap your lips all the way around this thing. Uh -huh. And then, like, suck the air in and blow it out really fast into this thing. Wow. And after some normal breathing. So she makes me do that. Every time I do it, I'm like, she's like, no, you're not. You didn't suck the air in right. You she's didn't like, breathe out right. Basically, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then, like, when I was doing that, she's, because I kept not doing it right. Right. And she, so when she started being like, okay, suck it in. Blow it out! Go 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 go! And and she did this repeatedly, and it was like stressful is not the right word for it. I'll leave it at that. Right? Like, is that affecting your results? I mean, I think she was trying to. And then after a while, she'd be like, "Oh, you're tired. We gotta take a break." Oh man. So that was the pulmonary function test. Yes. I did have today, like, she tried to take blood from this arm and, like, it just wouldn't... Victoria is pointing at her right arm for those of us listening. <laughs> yeah, she couldn't find those of you the listening. vein. Oh, yeah, and yeah. And so then she had to give up and go to the other arm. So you're not someone with terribly visible veins. No. Good for you. That's a win <laughs> in my them, opinion. I keep them buried. <laughs> hide the veins under my veins right in the capitalist system you gotta hide your veins or they're gonna suck them dry capitalism Too true you got a band camp i do plug it i think it's <laughs> <laughs> i think it's uh Shit. I, I actually... You sent it to me before. I know. No, no, it's like... Isn't it like New Chance? Well, it should band? be, but it might not be. I'll tell I you. I think it is. I was searching New Chance yesterday, and a band called Second Chance came up. Oh. Every time I searched the band New Chance. Really? Of course, New Chance, as a band, it's really just you. It's just me. Only you. I'm the band. You program. Yeah. You uh, sing. Mm -hmm. You have a nice voice. Thank you. How long have you been singing? I don't know, maybe five, six years. That's what I thought. Because not know, forever. Yeah, we've known each other for a long time. You've always been an incredibly creative person, and and you, you know you're always a creative, vibrant person. We got along great. You were doing art. Right? Yeah. You're. you're well, I went you're, to film school. Yeah, yeah, yes, right. You're yeah. making. Uh, it's sort of experimental uh, yeah. film stuff, right? Yeah, I guess so. I was into video stuff, and then right, of course, yeah. Yeah, and but I, I mean, music was always there in the films, in the world. like in the films, and mm. I would DJ sometimes. Right, of and, course, you, know. you would DJ. Yeah, back in the heady days of the early two thousands. Yeah, back in the day, man. Back when everybody was young. Yeah. Back when inexcusably bad music was allowed. <laughs> it was a different time. <laughs> <laughs> Were you part of the bad band revolution? What's that? You don't remember that? That was a thing that happened in early Toronto where everybody was like, 
trying to do like the shags, like sort of like purposely abrasive or unschooled music, but it was very uh, self-aware. Oh. So it was like semiotics, uh, college graduates, uh, university graduates, people doing, uh, you know, uh, I feel like uh, bands like uh, um, there was Garbage Violence Enthusiasm. There was, um, who else was there? You know, Ninja High School, I think, was in that mix. Wow, you're really, you're schooling me about, What's it called? What, is, what did you say it was <laughs> it's called? you about shit nobody cares about. <laughs> I wasn't from part of, I wasn't part of that. It was not far from you. It wasn't far from me, but I wasn't Wolf part Gang? of Wolfgang? I know. Part of I, that? Yeah, but I didn't even know Wolfgang then. Do you want to tell them about Wolfgang? Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, Wolfgang and I, what, what we did is we ran a record label together. What actually. was that label called? It was called Healing Power Records. Of course. And that... Um, is it possible you were putting out bad band revolution bands without realizing they were bad bands? <laughs> oh my god, no! <laughs> it's not even possible. Not I won't even. I won't even entertain, you won't entertain that. Entertain that? No. You're mad at me. No, I yeah I won't. No, it was. I mean, um, well, it was just yeah. That was in a way that kind of running a label meant that I was just like around music all the time, putting on shows. Of course, like yeah, we were all. Uh, around music all the time. Yeah, we're around music all the time. We're living with music. I mean, I'm still around music all the time, but... Mm -hmm. Me um, too. I mean, mean, even more so now, or in a different way, I guess, now. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm starting to really miss uh, singing in the bands. Mm -hmm. But it took a lot out of me the way I was doing it. Of course. And I mean, any way that you do it really does take something out of me, you know? Yes, it's like you have to uh, maintain. You have to maintain. You have to take care. So you were DJing. Were you making your own music for your uh, film pieces, uh, for your video stuff? No, I didn't know how to do any of that stuff. Uh-huh. But um, but eventually, it just I was just in, around musicians so much, and all of my friends were musicians, and I was just so kind of in that world that. I had access to some equipment to mm-hmm. kind of play around with. Right. And then I just got into it. Your equipment's right next to you right now. It's a sequencer and a small amp provided by Emily Mover, my neighbor. Thank you, Emily. That's great. Yeah. Past guest. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I I just like I just taught myself how to use things and sort of learned how to say, started singing. Primarily like electronic-y things rather than guitars and stuff? Primarily electronic-y things like drum machines yeah. and samplers. That's really fun. Yeah. So I guess I just, uh, I was into the idea of making beats. That's what I was into. Beats. Beats. Beats making. Yeah. You were like, I'm the next Jay Dilla. Well, I mean, come on. <laughs> what kind of music <laughs> were you playing when you dj Back in the day when I DJed? I'm trying to remember because I was certainly at some DJ things of yours, I'm sure. I know. Well, I think that I would, I think that I had eclectic tastes. I, when I was really on the younger side, like even when I was a teenager, I was very into dance hall. Yeah. And um, rap music. Uh Uh-huh. And R&B. Still into all those things, but I don't, I never really DJ those things anymore. No, um, 
I mean, back way back when, you know, that I, the eclectic taste thing was certainly something I was doing when I would, I hesitate to call it DJing, but when you would bring your creative records or whatever to a bar and then you'd set up your CDs also for when you needed to spin into the CDs. Yes. No tapes. You were just making people do tape DJing. I mean, it's been done. Sounds difficult. It's tricky because you have to rewind and fast forward. But remember one of the most famous things they say in, in DJs. Rewind. Exactly. It's um, always uncomfortable when I do something even slightly <laughs> Caribbean. Even slightly <laughs> DJ-ish. DJ-ish. You're right. Like, I mean, DJing now is a different thing than it was then i mean the technology is just different like would you say back in our day there used to be small people and they would hold (laughs) hold the record player up and they'd be rigid what do you mean small people like instead of tables (laughs) like it was like (laughs) i don't mean little people i mean people who are like five five one (laughs) devito you know types like yeah, kind of like the Flintstones in that, like, the way that, yeah, animals were tables and stuff. But these were people. And they wanted to. It was their job. They liked it. It was literally supporting the scene. Definitely, <laughs> definitely when I learned how to learned how to play records and mix them, it was on vinyl. And yeah. then and then CDJs existed, but they were not what they are now. What was that one that was free? I always used it. Uh, anyway, it's not important. But a I free software. It was a free software called like Audio DJ or something. I don't know. Yes, I remember that too. Dancehall yeah. in the '90s was cool as hell. True. Was that the dancehall you were liking, or were you liking more that hyper digital raga raga raga? There I am. I liked it. Say, uncomfortably sounding Caribbean. I liked it from the 90s. I liked everything from the 90s. Yeah. Typically. That's you grew up here, right? In Toronto, yeah. Yeah, people don't realize the sort of all-encompassingness that reggae had uh, as a music that everybody heard if you were listening to, like, yeah, uh, what's it called? Uh, the top 10 state CFC. What was the name of it? The one, like, the top... 40 stations, basically. Right. Yeah. You know, Murder She Wrote by yes. Chalkadimus and Pliers. Flex yeah. by Mad Cobra. Oh, yeah. Thank Arranged you. Marriage by uh, Apache Indian. Uh-huh. Of course, Local Boy, Snow. Yeah. And MC uh, Marley, MC Shan produced it. Uh-huh. Anyway. Yeah. And also, well, I mean, I guess when I was a teenager, I had some Jamaican friends. That's yeah. that was my yeah. window, you know, like that, that was, was me my... in elementary school, you yeah. know, like not trying to top you. <laughs> no, like, saying... like I had that when I was a baby. <laughs> <laughs> but, the, you know, it, it, it's just the same thing. It's like, you know, people well, are around each other and then they absorb the things they like. Yeah, you, know? they, you absorb the things and, and mm-hmm. they and yeah, friends definitely share and this was also pre-internet yeah so. oh my god we did not know about the internet oh we knew about computers don't get it twisted i mean i heard of computers but you i weren't didn't... using them no i was scared of computers <laughs> my cousins uh like the like movies like war games <laughs> that, that, like of the net. touched a button like you blow up the world um i think i was just intimidated because i didn't know how to use them press enter 
Yeah. That was back in the old days. That was all. Just well, pressed enter. Well, back in the old days, maybe they were a little more complicated too and a little more dry. Well, there were like two kinds, right? You had like the PCs, which had that sort of like silver and black. Like before they were all color, like silver and black. You'd be using like WordPerfect, you know? Like yes. maybe there'd be like Unix systems. Like it was very coding oriented. You're totally yeah. right. But if you like games, which I did, like they had a lot of games on them. So like right. I definitely played a lot of computer games as a kid. Mm-hmm. And uh, there were also like rudimentary AI kind of like programs that you could do that were, you know, where you would write in English and then it would translate it to like slang or something. Uh-huh. And then uh, there was uh, text adventures like Zork, you know. But then, and then there was the Mac which was much more user-friendly, uh-huh. but, you know, it's still point and click, but it was often black and white, and you play, like, Oregon Trail on it at school or something. And... I don't know anything about Did you go to games. school? I went to school, but I, I did go to school, <laughs> but I didn't uh, go to computer Like, when they school. said, okay, kids, <laughs> welcome to school. Today, we're training you on computers. What, what did school? you do? I don't think my schools had these kind of resources. Where were you going to school? Elementary or? Everywhere. <laughs> Where did you I, live? Well, I grew up in the East End. Broadview there, and there you go. Then, so, hey, yeah. Say no more. <laughs> yeah, we, all we had was, it was Degrassi. If you watch Degrassi, that's what it was. You went the to old the, Degrassi. You went to Degrassi uh, Elementary? No, but I, I, but basically, yes. You were a kid of Degrassi Street. Pretty much. So uh, how accurate were the Degrassi programs to your experience too real go on wait like so real it hurts <laughs> <laughs> like and i'm not lying who is snake <laughs> well they were all well they were all like they weren't actors right they were kids from my actual neighborhood ah they all were from your neighborhood well i think i know some of them were wow um so they were a bit older than you obviously. they were older than me yeah, yeah. Were a lot older they were like me. the age of the kids that i would look up to when i was a younger kid. right yeah yeah and they were like the age of the of the cool kids right and but if you watch degrassi now like the, 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 the old uh-huh the old gen yeah <laughs> um it's very real and bleak oh it's <laughs> so bleak it's so bleak i mean that's something that I'm not sure if it's Canadian television or it was sort of Ontario television, because sometimes I'm not sure what's what, you know, growing up in this sort of self-obsessed, like, city, you know, in in, in Canada. And, uh, you know, that sometimes assumes it's sort of the spokesperson for what Canada's like or something. But, man, shit was bleak on TV in the 80s for Canada. It, it was, was wild. Like, yeah, like it, it would it would feel like it was designed to just like scare you. Yeah, it was all scare related. Yeah. Even when there were elements of whimsy or fun. Yeah. You know, the best example of that that I remember was on CBC when I was growing up. And it sounds like you might not remember it because computer games, TV, TV's different. Right? I was into TV. So CBC, there was something called The Odyssey. Mm-hmm. I think it was called The Odyssey. And it was a mini series about a boy who's like in a coma. <laughs> okay, but he's like a kid. And he's in a coma, so that already sucks. For when you're a kid and you're watching yeah, you're this, like, you're like, oh, I could be in a coma. It's pretty hard to make that. Yeah. So, but in his mind, he's having like this sort of adventure with like all Whoa. of his friends. 
That's like a Wizard of Oz type of that's thing. That's like my fear. That's like my weird, my existential. I don't remember that show, but that's my fear. Like, so if I sometimes I have had this thought, like, what mm-hmm. if all this is an illusion mm-hmm. and I'm just like getting your, your mosquitoes passed out in an alley somewhere? Yeah. Brain mosquitoes are just like, yeah, sucking up your thoughts, but replacing them with like, uh, yes, you know, what's the word? Uh, soma kind of stuff you know and uh yeah the other thing that made that makes me think of was in sixth grade in elementary school and again maybe this is a sort of west end to east end kind of school come on they showed us this thing called where the spirit lives which was a cbc miniseries but there's just just the whole thing and it was about um the residentials it was a, oh, a live wow. act you know it was like not a documentary but but a, a, a you know a, a movie or a miniseries about the residential schools in uh canada that were this ho- obviously horrible horrible stain on on canada's history i've never heard of this you never heard of the residentials schools? i've heard of the residential schools i've oh, never heard movie. of this i've never heard of this series i'm curious and it was it spared no punches there were no expense (laughs) it it was it was like nuns molesting people nuns beating people someone running i remember there was this scene in (laughs) it where one of these abused children runs away and they're like she ran away and they've gone to look for and then like the guy who was looking for comes back on a horse just with like what's clearly a body like wrapped in a blanket or something swung over the horse. And I'm like 11. <laughs> like, oh, I, I mean, so I there's no feeling... God, there's no future, there's no hope. Yeah, like... <laughs> Which is like a big Canadian thing. It's like, there's... Yes. there's shit is going to be tough. <laughs> well, I'd be curious. Like, it sounds like, I mean, maybe it was a little bit like, I mean... I wonder, I, I'd be curious, I, I mean, I don't want to see it because I feel like it would be upsetting. It's very see, upsetting. Yeah. But I also kind of do want to see it because I'm curious, like, how they handled that, that, that subject matter and, like, who made, whose In the 1980s? perspective it was and, like, I mean. Yeah, I definitely think there was, like, one kind of friendly, like, white person at the residential school. But yeah. I did, I, it was so long ago that I. I don't really remember it that well. I feel like it was like a janitor or an employee there. And then, of course, shortly after that, there was that CBC miniseries called The Boys of St. Vincent. That I remember. Yeah. And that was like, again, they would a show it like story. once a year. Yes. Like they showed like, it all the time. The season is It come. was impossible for kids not to know about this movie. About <laughs> oh. I feel like everybody already knows what's going on when I say the name of the miniseries was The Boys of St. Vincent. It was like doubt or whatever. And uh, oh, there were so many other things. It was, and then of course, Degrassi was like death, teen pregnancy, you know, acid killing you. Yes. Like, acid killed someone? Well, the spikes. There was a drunk driving thing. The drunk driving? The spikes, Abuse, that yeah. was, but Spike's um, baby daddy, Shane, yeah. like takes acid and jumps off a bridge and like 
gets a spinal injury or something. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. I forgot about that. They all die, basically. <laughs> in the end, it's like, yeah. they all die. It's a certain or, saying, like, two out of every five children will have <laughs> all of the uh, problems of the day and their life early, whether it's AIDS or... You know, uh, I know, suicide or or but jumping what, off. But a what's interesting is like I feel drunk like, driving. I feel like all that stuff was it. Like now, when I watch it, I feel like it's bleak. But when I saw it when I was younger, it didn't make me scared. No, because there was so many different energies in one of those shows. Yeah, a show like Degrassi in the nineteen nineties mm-hmm. was like, oh, one of the characters was like trying to pass a test yeah. and then the other character was like fighting with her controlling father you know yes. about oh, what yeah. to wear yes. you know and then the other one had like sort of a like a competitive relationship with one of their friends you know like the thing is it was bleak but, but then actually, another guy has AIDS yeah has HIV yeah which yeah that's like accurate it was actually just mm. real because mm-hmm. in a way m- most en- like you would expect entertainment to just be kind of like escapism or whatever and it's like Degrassi never gave you never gave you an escape like that mm-hmm. but man that being said it was so great you know having this sort of bitters of uh, Degrassi and chasing that with uh, the, uh, whatever you would even call the concoction that Beverly Hills 90210 was which I Ugh. loved I think that those two shows, like it's like the yin and the yang. Like, yeah. it's like they they like have they like fit together so perfectly in the psyche. Like you're just like I want both. I want both. I want both. I acknowledge both. But the, <laughs> <laughs> both shows have have something in common where they made some of the most annoying characters some of the most punished characters, <laughs> Carmen <laughs> like, oh, man. Like, you know, Dylan's dad, kind of annoying. Right. And sort of know what happened to him. And then, uh, you know, uh, the David's friend in season one who was like, hey, guys. Well, that was a Degrassi. That was a true, like, nod to Degrassi. Yeah, that was the closest 90210 really got to Degrassi. Yeah, was, but 90210 uh, was inspired by Degrassi. Yeah, which is crazy to think about. Degrassi was the original. Yeah, but they didn't have uh, James ha- James Eckhouse as the uh, father. No, and we, they didn't need James Eckhouse. You know what is something I would like to add to my DVD collection mm. in 2019? <laughs> what? Complete 90210. You can go back to it anytime, and it's, like, great. Yeah, I mean... Except for, I will say something, if I may. <laughs> Because I have gone back to it many, many, many times. And there is one thing, at least one thing that's messed up about it, which is the way that women's bodies are like fully, totally objectified and the way that like all the (laughs) female characters, like it's like, Male characters will just like touch their bodies like anytime, anywhere, any place. Like you know what I mean? It's like the the like that. Laughing, like you know, it's like, like it's because of how ever present this sort of thing was in television for so yeah. long. Like literally until maybe the mid two thousands, and maybe even now it would be like you'd do a high school movie where they were like, "Hey guys, let's go spy on the girls." Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. let's go. Yeah, let's go. Uh, Taste uh, taste their, the forbidden with our eyes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In 90210, it's just like, there's always an exposed midriff. 
yeah. available for a man to touch <laughs> somehow Are you pregnant? or graze against Are you pregnant? or like Loving? hand on the small of the back or something. Mm. But it will be like, you know, the the it'll be like the guy in the diner. Like this, it won't even be a person <laughs> it'll be that Nate knows. Yeah, it'll be Nat. Like it'll be like, yeah, like it'll be like anyone. Yeah, that was a show that definitely was. Um, it had a lot of weird uh, boundary issues. It uh, pulverized a lot of its characters in ways that made no sense. It, you know, sent Tori Spelling on a very odd trajectory. Right. And also, it, I, you know, at that time, it sort of exposed my own cruelty because I remember being like, watching it and be like, ugh, Tori Spelling is so gross. Yeah. She only is on this show because she's Aaron Spelling's daughter and she's so gross looking and it's like who am i to call these people gross looking i know (laughs) you know it's like i feel like i did the most intense amount of actor facial and body judgment growing up watching sitcoms and television because like they would do the even in who's the boss it would be like everyone would be like oh angela you're so flat chested or something right you know they say that that kind of thing. Or like in, in Growing Pains, you know, Carol, the sister who wound up getting like anorexia and real Tracy Gold, like in real life, just from trying to right. catch up with that. Like, yeah, she was always portrayed as this like mousy loser. Whereas like Kirk Cameron, who is like a certified psychopath, you uh-huh. know, was like, oh, look at Mike. He's so handsome and cool. Mike Seaver. I mean, I, I guess like that kind of entertainment is that's I mean, I'm going deep. in this. I, I think people still do that. Right. Like, they'll just be like, yeah, like, they'll just be like, probably she's do it so more ugly than ever. Or she's such yeah. a nerd. And it's like, don't you understand that you're being completely your mind is being completely manipulated <laughs> you by know? these shows <laughs> that are just like, like, it's like the most basic symbol and sign of like a nerd or like a hot guy or like and that's just like it's like just these really basic ideas about like people i'll tell you what when that movie rushmore came out i was like oh good (laughs) the brunette with glasses is now going to be sort of attractive to a Whatever tiny population of the part of the population cares about Rushmore. Of course, we all want to see someone that looks like us, no yes. matter who, what we look like. Which is always probably pretty easy for someone of, of your background to see uh, people who looked people like who you on TV like in the 1990s. Never. I had no role models. Um, about uh, Tia Carrere. <laughs> yeah, well, she, I like her. She's cool. She seems cool. Yeah. Never met her, but, you know. Or uh, let me try something else here. Uh, Jason Scott Lee. Yeah, that's reaching. Um, <laughs> I think it's all reaching. Everything, <laughs> yeah. I, as soon as I brought race into it at all, it became a reach. Yeah, no, it's there wasn't, yeah, there wasn't, uh, there's a lot more diversity now. Not just, you know, in, in all ways. I yeah, think. but, you know, Fucking shit still sucks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Half like, the I time, know, I stopped the like, There's diversity of of people, but there but there's the mediocrity of the masses. <laughs> <Jen> still remains. <laughs> That's the irony of it all, you know. Well, exactly. It's like I don't just want someone like Asian to look up to. I want someone who's awesome to look up to. You know, th- that being said, a show like Fresh Off the Boat, I think it's a terrible rep. You know, but I watched that. First of all, like the people who are on staff for that show are like really funny comedians most of the time. And 
I've never seen it. I watch a show and I'm like, this is cool. I yeah. don't, I like, you know, this is blackish. It's like the same yeah. kind of thing, although blackish has a lot of precedent, obviously, you know. Mm-hmm. But, but uh, yeah, like, like those kinds of shows which sort of inhabit like a Malcolm in the middle, sort of like yeah. upper echelon kind of single camera sitcom kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I'm glad those exist, you know. I guess I'm, I, I don't know. I'm just like, I get really wrapped up in this thing where I feel like, you know, um, appropriation gets such a bad rap. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> As in, if you're appropriating rap, uh-huh. you're rapping badly. Uh-huh. No, but if you're, but it is permeated, like the culture of, uh, you know, activism or online complaining or, Young people, you know, everyone talks like RuPaul's Drag Race. Everyone talks like uh, right. Beyonce or or Cardi B or or uh, uh-huh. you know, you just go on and on, you know, with with terminology and, and slang that often comes from the uh, gay or African American community, you yeah. know, and like uh, Hillary Clinton's uh campaign in, in 2016 where she was like on hot 97 and she goes like oh yeah i've got like she literally is like i keep hot sauce in my bag everywhere i go what <laughs> <laughs> you remember because like formation and yeah, I remember that. yeah yeah so anyway i don't know why i'm trying to drag you into this shit this is what i do like <laughs> this is why i do a lot of solo episodes because i bring when i talk about this with my friends i don't know but yeah what do you think of all that i don't know i i well well, appropriation is one thing, but those other shows you were talking about, are those, like, that's not... No, those those tend to have staffs that are primarily um, people who are, like, like Asian-American staff. Or, I guess you know. my assumption, but I... But that's also weird, too, right? To put all, all, all of those people only in, like, well, the yeah, show like, that's about that experience, you know? I guess so, but, I, I mean, is the show created by... Yeah. It's yeah, like somebody's sure. kind of like perspective. That's right. absolutely yeah. yeah. But it still feels to me, and maybe this is a little bit of a diss, a little bit of Ooh, a low key diss. shade. Appropriate <laughs> like that. But like because and also shade. Oh, also low key. Oh, low key. The threefer. Yeah. <laughs> like um, I mean, and also I haven't seen these shows, so I, and I don't know I love it. about them. So I love I'm just it. Ignorant as well. I love it. This is right up the alley of this podcast. But I think, but I think, like, <laughs> opinions well, based on <laughs> inner feeling. <laughs> I, I can't help but assume or imagine that these this show is is still. I mean, it's the fresh off the boat thing. Just the title alone, it's, <laughs> it's playing with this. It's playing with this this idea, right? Like it's playing with this concept or this like figure of speech that exists right. that is about the dynamic between like a a person of color and a white person. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it's a it's like that relationship. So it's inherently creating the 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 sorry, I'm interrupting, but I, I kind of get the the equation you're talking about, uh-huh. which is you're saying it's actually still referencing the white perspective on Asian people yes. just by title alone. Just by title alone, that's, that's my thinking. Well, I mean, also... Yeah, it's like if you call the show... Um, 
Quentin Tarantino's uh, fan of kung fu. Yeah, right. But I mean, <laughs> I also, it's, like it's kind of like, right. it's also, I'm also recognized that I'm kind of like an alternative person. I'm like an alternative thinker and I'm like an artist and like creative and like, I like like avant-garde things and I don't right. like sitcoms, you know what I mean? So it, I'm like, it's it's unusual that I would like see a sitcom that I'd be into. Like it's it's also just maybe normative culture where it's like yeah ha 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 like we're t- the, the 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 like celebration of difference or the noticing of difference is on a different level than where I like it to be. Which is mm-hmm. I like it to be you know I don't know I I like it to be d- deeper. Well, I <laughs> guess I mean the name of the show is either a comment on or sorry like an indication of how basic either uh, television studio's expectation of people's, like, ability to be interested in something is. You know, like, you literally need to call it fresh off the boat. Oh, I get it. You're talking about fresh off the boat Asian people. (laughs) Yeah, 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 I want to see that. I know that. (laughs) And then then they'll be like, you know, that show's actually pretty Mm. good because Mm. it's, like, shocking this idea that it could be good. Okay, yeah, I mean, or, (laughs) or, 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 like, or, or, or just, I actually <laughs> like it. I actually relate to these people. Well, that was when I finally sat down and watched it. I was like, oh, yeah, it's kind of cool, you know? Like, But really, it was, I was thinking it was cool because I was like, um, you know, kids were in it. And they mm-hmm. were just acting like kids and they weren't short round in yeah. Indiana Jones or, yeah. you know, the guy yeah. in uh, Goonies. Or yeah. was it Goonies? Yeah, that yeah. guy. Booby Traps. Yeah. Him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, and that's and, cool. Yeah, that is I like, nice. I like kids being kids, and also in many ways, I feel like that loops back to our growing up, mm-hmm. and like when like there was, we did have a lot of different cultures and different ethnicities in like the schools that we were in or in the city that we grew up in, and when you're a kid you said we didn't we did yeah we did yeah and from the city yeah. what, like in our childhood or whatever mm-hmm. and like lots of different kinds of friends and it was just um uh when you're ki- when you're kids it's like you are you're just like kind of actually uh young and pure and you're just friends with each other and you don't you know you're not conscious of all the baggage or whatever. I, I will say one thing that I had, which is very embarrassing. Mm-hmm. The only time that I expressed any kind of discomfort with other cultures when I was a kid was when I'd be at their house and they'd like be like, try this food. Yeah. And I'd be like, well, that's the classic I don't thing. want tilapia. I don't want it. I'm very <laughs> young. <laughs> don't give me tilapia. I know. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm that's... embarrassed about that. I you know. know but... well, it's a comfort thing. You develop yeah. your tastes, you know. It's different. It's like it's it's almost like you go to anyone's house and like no parent is making the same food as like your parents. You yeah. Know? So so yeah. it was probably as much that as it was like or like I remember distinctly being like, I guess my parents both had to get up early and leave, so they would send us to this uh, nice family's house in the morning, and they were West Indian. They'd make us like West Indian food for breakfast. So first of all, I'm like savory for breakfast what are we talking about like you wanted sweet yeah yeah and i wanted cereal and i wanted the Uh things i was used to Uh but so i never ever 
ever. I breakfast right now. Yeah, I never said, I do too. <laughs> I mean, I never ever accepted the breakfast. Uh-huh. You know, because it was like six or seven. Yeah. And I think it had as much to do with like not being at home. Yeah. At all. You know, just not being at home. Yeah. To... Oh, infinite picky eaters are like that's what kids are. Well, time, I guess so. maybe it sounds like also. I mean, if as a parent, maybe I was racist. <laughs> I think like <laughs> that's really. I think like as a parent, but I think it's like there's also something to be said for, I guess, needing to be taught to try things that are new to you. Yeah, you know, in life, because it's not like. I, I think that would be I think that that would be an experience of many kids or most kids that they would be like something different and you're not my mom like you know this is what they told me to watch out for with the pedophile <laughs> well it would be like yeah it, it's like you maybe have to like instill that in your children very consciously like to be like new things you can try new things or like you can I don't yeah, know. I don't remember my parents necessarily saying that to me, but it was I, like, I didn't have that they, yeah, they sort of, it's kind of the school thing was their version of that. And, mm-hmm. they put, you know, they were just like, okay, here are your friends. Okay, this is, well, you're not here are your friends, but like, you're going to have this like Czechoslovakian friend and he yeah. lives across, and you're going to have this like Jamaican friend, you're going to have a friend who's like Acadian black or something and like, yeah. You're going to have Vietnamese friends, and, you know, like... Yeah, it's just about, like, your Portuguese friends. Yeah, who are your neighbors? And and at that time, well, still now, there is... Toronto does have this... Uh, everybody is, like, living sort of next to each other. I mean, I, I don't... In the current neighborhood I'm in, I'm not necessarily seeing a ton of diversity. I wonder, <laughs> yeah, like, I think... But it used to have a lot of diversity. Yeah, where I'm, my, yeah. me too. My neighborhood, my parents' neighborhood is uh-huh. the exact same thing. Yeah, what, what, what was your neighborhood like when you grew up? I think, to be honest, it was similar to this neighborhood. Oh, <laughs> it was a tony little... I mean, my neighborhood is... Did, when we moved here, it wasn't like a f- too fancy a spot. It no. just was near lots of awesome stuff, and yeah. th- and for me that blew my mind because yeah. when I was living in this other area, which now is like a cool area, uh-huh. like Dundas and Dovercourt or something, you yeah. know, Dundas, um, there was nothing, nothing at all there. Yeah, you know, sleepy. There was a factory we lived across from. You know, people were nice, but there was no. Yeah. The convenience stores were your destinations, and you play video games there, and you go to school. Yeah. Um, but the annex uh, was near, you know, a radio station that had live appearances, tons mm-hmm. of record stores. Mm-hmm. You know, you could walk to like the sort of busiest parts of town. Yeah. yeah. Um, but now it's you know the houses are worth more money, and the people, the boomers who are living there, are getting older, so it's kind of got this like retirement community vibe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah, so yours was like mine is now? I No, I think mine was, I, I would have thought that mine would have been like how what? yours was when you were growing up too. Uh-huh. Like it was, well, I grew up in, I guess it's Greek town. Ah, uh, yes, town. the Danforth. It's the Danforth. Um, so I did definitely grow up um, around Greeks. Greek culture. Yeah. Yeah. Gyros. For sure. And lots Spana of Kavita. friends and people I love are Greek. Good. Um, good, but, good. Originals. Yes. Oh yeah, Would you one of the up? original um, cultures. Original culture. Um, oh gee. 
Yeah, but well, I, Toronto in general. What do you think of that was, story that's called OG Original Ghee Roast? I don't. What? It's down the street from here. It's closed. It didn't make it. What is it called? OG Original Gyros. Oh, Gyros. 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 Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to this. Just a little interruption. This is no, uh, it's not a problem. It's a solution by new chance in the background who I'm talking to in this episode. I hope you're enjoying it. And I just wanted to let you know, you know, if you do like Nick Flanagan Weekly, please just go to patreon.com slash Nick Flanagan Weekly and you can uh, become a monthly supporter of the podcast. We really appreciate it. It's a one-man operation, so the perks... Come slowly, <laughs> but they do come. And I, I will try to be as regular and productive with the podcast as possible. So you will get to hear lots of episodes. And the more support on Patreon I get, the more perks I can provide people on Patreon. And the more I can do the podcast, the more I can make it my jam, my thing. And uh, it's, it's been so great for me. And I, I just want to get to keep doing it with ease. Um, as much ease as we can have in this crazy life. And of course, if you just want to make a one-time donation of support, uh, co-fi, that's ko-fi.com slash Nick Flanagan. All of the proceeds of your donation, uh, your gift, your cup of coffee goes to the artist on that website. If you are a creator, you should really look into uh, ko-fi.com because it's pretty awesome. Anyway, of course, you can review the podcast on the pod apple podcast tell a friend rate it subscribing's amazing and just if you're enjoying it you know continue to listen and download it and do all that stuff anyway i hope you're enjoying the interview and here is new chance here's the rest of my new new chance interview um no toronto used to be sleepy and and then where the action was was like young street oh yeah and I would go there and be like totally mesmerized by the flashing lights and the Arcades. arcade, the huge arcade and the strip, like the not well, strip clubs, I'm not strip malls, but there was like the shopping mall. Mini, You're talking mini, about the shopping mall the shopping next mall. to where HMB was. That's where I used to buy my rap mixtapes. Yes. Tony Touch, Craig G. Yeah. I wish that S&S. we could go back there. That's where I bought my first video game system, the Sega Master System. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. I had a dream yesterday that I found one of those. You did? Yeah. It was a good dream, I guess. Hang on, let me check. There we are. You still there? Looking good, everybody. Yeah. Oh, well, there you are. There I am. That looks like a few years ago. <laughs> Victoria is saying that the picture I use for the podcast is an older. <laughs> This is older photo. I don't think it's that. It's actually old. a younger photo. I am younger. Than <laughs> I look different now. <laughs> no, you look kind of the same. Kind of the same. You look the same. <laughs> You've always looked the same. That's what people say, but it's not actually true. It's just like I, I'm. You not... actually used to look different. I've seen old pictures. Yeah, it's more stylistically. I think that you look. Uh, yeah, I'm still like wearing the same t-shirt. You have a shaved side of head now, and you said you've had that for years now. It's true. But I just noticed it for the first time today, even though... Because it's kind of more fresh right now. I see. The and fade. it's exposed. You yeah. gotta, dude, were you mad when Skrillex got it? No, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> Skrillex? Do you think... Is, do you like Skrillex? Uh, I don't really 
uh, <laughs> I don't like like Skrillex, but I don't disrespect Skrillex. I've kind of partied in my mind to like Skrillex music before. <laughs> I'll bet. Raise your fist. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a weird thing that became really popular, but um, he is an actual creative person. Oh, absolutely. So I respect that. Wow. Yeah. I mean, he had like a, his band on MySpace. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. He's, Guys, you know, and, and girls like who get successful, they often have backstories, whether it's Steve Aoki and uh, Dim Mac Records, and, right. you know, uh, um, I mean, it just goes on and on, you know, even though I don't have any other examples. Well, I know it's like sometimes you don't, yeah, you don't Modest hear Mouse, about... you know, it's a band that has a long history before they blew up, you know, right. like, yeah, 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 that uh, happens, yeah. that happens, that's very Arcade Fire, that's cool, you know, like uh, Arcade Fire has a deep roots in in you know yeah. one of the shows that i think helped break them was the one in toronto at sneaky d's mm. or or obviously their ascendancy while in montreal and doing like that series of shows in a church you know i remember the buzz oh i remember the buzz too i remember the buzz around uh, play with have our, you heard this band uh, that's Powell an amazing thing that's an amazing thing that can happen like it's an amazing it's an exciting an interesting thing when that does happen it is an interesting thing when and you're sort of happen. near it but i've never been near it on like a major level that i can remember except a little bit with friends of mine who are in comedy but most of uh -huh. the time yeah those the bulk of the people i know who have like great success in comedy as writers so even then it's like more within the industry that they know like yeah i mean it's interesting yeah. watching nathan fielder like that's the mm -hmm. main example mm -hmm. but even nathan is like he is famous but yeah. in a on a to me on a somewhat micro level like it's still within a people like my people or whatever yeah, yeah, you know yeah, yeah. like well comedy anyone that's into comedy which includes people who aren't comedians uh, yeah let's hope let's hope what that's that's the realm i would imagine yeah but i wouldn't even yeah but yeah but I, I don't know oh, how, there's millennials varying degrees like of it fame. there's varying degrees of fame fame is just like a weird it just it's it ebbs and flows i guess i think you're set to blow up <laughs> i mean i i'm set to work my ass off i put on the new chance yesterday i was like oh shit it's so good it was on spotify <laughs> i was impressed that it was on spotify me too i'm like i don't even use spotify but i have spotify <laughs> i mean man the algorithm gets really good once you use it for a while that's nice to hear. I, I mean, I, that sounds I like a positive it. thing. I'm not making you any money by listening to you on Spotify. That's for sure. You're making me a tiny bit of money. Just, I'll tell you. I mean, I get the Spotify stuff from like my band, and it it's nothing. Yeah. It's literally zero. And we have like we don't have a ton of people listening, but we there are people, and it's just like yeah, you know, you get seventeen thousand plays on YouTube. We've got a twenty-three thousand play song. And it's just like you know, right? You know, that means nothing. That's oh. like low end. Yeah. To the point of not mattering. Yeah. Uh, financially. But it's to really, me, it matters. I'm like, this is awesome. It's really messed up. It's it's messed up that um, no, no one pays for music on that level anymore. It's really messed up. I mean, what's messed <laughs> up is that it. there's so many weird things. It like, should be a crime. Yes. I mean, but... but <laughs> I mean, it should be... There should it should be, be viewed as a form of fraud. And, there and should be legislation. taking advantage yeah. of people having who have material... That's like the last thing that pays out decent royalties is satellite radio. Yeah, you know? hear that, yeah. But I, get up on I've it. only seen that 
on the level of stand-up, but because you're a solo performer, you're actually, you know, that's better. That's the other thing is like yeah. the whole nature of royalties and pavement, pavement, <laughs> pavement, the whole mm-hmm. nature of pavement is to subtly criticize <laughs> via hilarious turns of phrase and great <laughs> tunes and a f- influenced by the fall. Yeah, Steve Malkus saw him in a restaurant, in a bar. Wow. Yeah. He was in a bar, in a restaurant? He was in a restaurant, actually. It was a restaurant. There was wine around. (laughs) 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 I got confused. He lives in Portland. (laughs) I saw him in Spain. Wow. Mm -hmm. Well-traveled. Yeah. What took you to Spain? Um, I was with uh, a band I sing with called Chandra. Oh, yeah. Tell me about Chandra. Chandra, I mean, that could be a whole, you should do an episode with Chandra. There's a whole, there's a lot of, there's a lot of story with Chandra. But it's a band that I, I sing backup in. Well, tell me about Chandra. Well, she And then I'll have Chandra on. I want to have this. I want to have more people. Yeah, Chandra. She's amazing. Well, she, she made this record when she was a kid. Oh. Um, do, you, do you know, actually, about this? Do you know about Chandra? I, it's really familiar. I might have read up about it, but I don't. It's not in my brain right now. That's for damn sure. Yeah, she grew up in New York City, and she made a. And her her parents were artists, and she was around artsy people, um, big time. Mm-hmm. And uh, she formed a band when she was a kid with some of her parents' friends oh, who that's were cool. older, who were right. like you know in their twenties or whatever, mm-hmm. and. They made a record and they played a bunch of shows and the record is amazing and the songs that she wrote are like incredible mm-hmm. um and yeah the record came out in the early 80s but um and had like its moment but then has been reissued in more recent years and has reached a lot more people now uh-huh i, I mean the record itself just stands the test of time. Like it's musically, it's great, um, really beautiful, but uh, and like special because it's like a kid. Uh huh. Yeah, that's always <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's like a little girl. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah. She was so, how old? Like eleven. Uh. Yeah. Like I think she was making music when she was like yeah, like ten, and then in into her younger like right. years, she yeah. was still doing some stuff like. She was like Kristen Dunst in an interview with the vampire. I guess so. Hanging in with Lestat. Yeah, and she has cool stories of her childhood in in growing up in New York. Wow. Like, you know, they're like leaving the rehearsal space and then they're in the elevator with Madonna. But it's like right. Madonna when she was just a, she was just like, who's this like cool who's that, girl? Who's that girl? Who's that cool girl? <laughs> yeah, who's that girl? That was like what she had a who's that girl real moment. Wow, I've never had that. I've always known who Madonna was. I know. So there was no who's that girl. She was just there. She was like, who's that girl? And it was like Madonna was in some other place working with her people on first, her early record. First time I heard Madonna was um, a very special Christmas the compilation with uh, it was an it was to benefit AIDS research in the yeah. 1980s. Uh-huh. And uh, it was uh, had a Keith Haring cover art, beautiful. Mm-hmm. I had it in my house too. You had a very special Christmas. Yeah. Sorry, I thought you were saying what was that? Oh, you no. were saying it was Santa Baby yeah. from a very special Christmas, which was her cover of it, which is not good. It's not her best work, but I loved it. 
<laughs> yeah. Okay. I remember on that album, I loved that, and I loved uh, Christmas in Hollis by by Run DMC. Yeah, that's, that's so crazy. Good. That's yes, that's so good. that's cla- that's yeah. like perfect Run DMC era sort of. It, it's a great song. Mm-hmm. And then there was like Run Run Rudolph by John Bon Bo- Bovi. Bon Bon Bovi. And then I think somebody <laughs> weird did Little Drummer Boy. That I'm sort of like maybe Phil Collins or something. Or no, oh, I think it was you too. Oh, 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 I think I can kind of hear that. Yeah. I can kind of hear that in my mind. So how do you connect with Chandra? Well, me and my friend Julie Reich, were, we just got into her from YouTube. We discovered her on YouTube and we were like, this is amazing. And we thought her name was Chandra. And we were like, mm-hmm. Chandra, she's so cool. And we started um, covering her songs sometimes because uh-huh. Julie's a musician as well. Uh-huh. We would have shows. We would We did some covers of her of old Chandra songs yeah and Chandra essentially long story short caught wind of it that we were fans Uh and um and and got in touch I think with Julie and was like I want to like come to Toronto and like jam with you guys on the set on the tune that's so awesome yeah and then it kind of became like a revival uh band or like a right you know, yeah. like, um, like when Andre Williams was going on tour, like the old soul singers, like Sharon Jones or somebody, or the mm-hmm. the guy who just yeah. died. Uh, you know, I can't remember his name. He was that amazing singer, Charles Bradley. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, so I mean, it's kind of a wild thing. And people are coming out and they're seeing it. Well, we've been doing it for quite a few years, and uh-huh. so we've done like we've had different little moments and different tours and stuff and Chandra still lives in the U.S. so she has to like travel here to be with the band in Toronto to practice to practice and stuff but um but it's grown it's grown a lot yeah it's grown like we we yeah like we were invited to play Primavera in Spain oh my god that's amazing yeah which is like a huge deal and it's really really a bit fluke I don't want to say fluke because it's not a fluke but it's but like everything's a fluke. it's a particular everything thing. in life is a fluke yeah but not a fluke the one of the people who was you know part of programming one of the stages just loves the record so much and just pushed for us to got that's um, how it works with a lot of stuff you know yeah. I mean it's like you said you like avant-garde stuff you like things that are a little different if that's what you're doing if that's what you're interested in you need an advocate of some yeah. sort you know because it's very likely that, you know, I mean, it's it's sad to say because we all kind of want this sort of stability, essentially, that, yeah. that uh, broad appeal has. But, like, to get that broad appeal or even, like, really just to fan out your yeah. the, uh, amount of people hearing you mm-hmm. so that your audience can expand from all the people who like more weird shit. Not to say, I don't find your music weird at all, actually. It's not really yeah. weird. But uh, but you know what I mean. Like, I know what you mean. Like sort of. It's not weird. It's actually just thoughtful. I would say uh, <laughs> your work. Yeah. Yeah. No, your work's not. But, but thoughtful, unfortunately, <laughs> is a, th- a thing. And and you know, uh-huh. it's not what people uh, expect. Sometimes you know. I like think a lot of people want dance music to be like so basic and just like you can be so messed up and wasted and still like be like yeah. People like associating music with, like, a specific camping trip they were on or, like, festival they were at. So it's like you really see it. It's amazing to me, dance music's appeal. When someone like Avicii died, you know, you really saw a 
how important that entire culture actually is to people's mm-hmm. uh, psyche. And yeah. like, I remember I did the door at a, a dubstep show oh. like 10 years ago, Where really a long time ago. It was at the Opera House in Toronto. Mm. It was a band called Bass Nectar. Uh-huh. And uh, everyone was freaking out. I yeah. mean, this shirtless guy grabbed me and he went, I love this culture. And I was like, <laughs> holy You were like, duly noted. Yeah, I was kind of like, I thought this only happened with punk, you know? And yeah, it's like no. so much bigger than that. People because I missed the rave era, which I'm sure you were a raver. I was like a sort of a raver, but I was young and I wasn't um, going to like sneak out of my house and lie to my parents that I was like staying at a friend's house. Right. Or Meanwhile, you're going to Destiny, which was Meanwhile, a rave. Yeah, yeah like I, I, was, I had some friends that that raved in a more real way than me but i yeah rave culture had its impact in the same way it would have for for anyone else who's into me like even you yeah <laughs> like chris shepherd yeah you of know? course yeah yeah um so jen castle you also tour singing with right yeah. sometimes mm-hmm. all the time sometimes when you can i want to say all the time but it's not actually all the time because it i took a little break this summer so that i could do more stuff with chandra and do yeah. some other stuff and so I haven't been with them. I'm rejoining them soon. Yeah, uh, Jennifer is like such a such a good artist as well, and someone we've both known for a really long time. And I hope to have her on the podcast soon. I think she wants to do it. Yeah, I was actually hoping to get both of you together. Oh, maybe, that would have been really fun. Maybe in the future we can hook that up. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, you know, she's uh, she's another one who you have been friends with for a very long time, right? Mm-hmm. And was it just natural to sort of start? helping out with her work well she surrounded herself <laughs> yeah. her entire band are these people i know and you know mm-hmm. and they're all great people and they all also happen to be great players you yeah. know and 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 yeah. uh you know rob uh gordon and and mm-hmm. and paul mortimer and mm-hmm. and uh jonathan and jonathan and, and, and um, mike smith yeah, that's an, that's an amazing setup, especially and then you and isla craig are are, are singing mm-hmm. with, with her very often yeah and and, and so that's I, I love that because it's just it's all people who are interconnected and have been for many years. Mm-hmm. And um, it's all people basically from this city's music community and like kind of a different side of the community. I can't yeah. really explain where it is. And yeah. it's a chance to sort of help let them shine, you know, yeah. and it's it's just like so everyone shines. And then Jennifer, yeah. you know, um, you can tell, I think I when I've seen her, she seems to really relish playing in a band like that that's something i've always thought was so cool with her is she just when you think she should go one way she kind of goes like a di- she can right. do it totally she can kind of do this like leather pants singing in a band kind of thing True. where it completely retains the um mel- like the the beauty of her songs yeah but i've also seen her you know solo at a piano or mm-hmm. you know in her old old band fox the boombox which was like mm-hmm. a four piece that was like kind of shag z like it was kind of in that bad band revolution thing mm-hmm. but everybody was they were great i loved them yeah they were fun yeah they were fun yeah, yeah no that that band is like i think it's all about i think in that situation if i were to you know speak about it i think that it's like it's just uh yeah, we're old buddies and we, we 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 know how to make a style together. And Jennifer has a lot of style, actually. In I music. know. And she likes to switch it up all the time. I've seen, you know, yeah. she 
she always um she's always in the moment like you know whatever that's like really idealizing but you know like it's yeah like it's, from it's, the it's funny, audience you know? perspective it's like she's she has she's grabs the moment you know what i mean and like yeah. and like uh takes it for herself she and, might do a kick on stage she might do a kick she'll she'll sing something a little differently she'll just yeah. like surprise herself and you can tell that she's doing yeah. it somehow and um and i think everybody in the band is also comfortable with that mm -hmm. yeah. and um and likes that and thinks that's good music when i was it um you know in brutal nights especially i i uh you know i'm not very musically schooled so i was uh changing it up like in the moment with the thing and yeah. it was quite fun and satisfying and i yeah. think people appreciate the immediacy of, of that sometimes too and sometimes i would take it yeah and i go oh well i should just do it the normal way because that way didn't sound good but most of the time it was like yeah, yeah. i think you're playing to... faster or, yeah. you know i think like your payment, you know, part of your payment for performing and playing a show is that you get to take your chances and you get to learn things. Like it's like you gotta, you it's yeah. it's like you should try things because that's like you right. can actually like get something out of that. Yeah, know? it's as important to be in the moment as it is to be like on key or something, you know. Or there's yeah. like the balancing those at least is very important. Like yeah. it's always fun when you listen to a live version of a song. By someone you like, and uh, they change the lyrics, or they yeah, or it's the part. old lyric, and then you hear it get developed later yeah. into yeah, a more totally. full song. Yeah, totally. You're like, yeah, that's how songs get Bob written. Bob Dylan had that, you know, mm -hmm. even Leonard Cohen, you kind of hear it. You also have the opposite, where like, you know, they're playing an old song, and mm -hmm. then they kind of update it. You yeah. Know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, uh, you know, that song "Famous Blue Raincoat" okay. by Leonard Cohen. Mm -hmm. You know, it goes at the end. He goes sincerely. L. Cohen or whatever he uh -huh. ends and he says that but then that when he played it when he was old he went sincerely a friend like, <laughs> you're like <laughs> different change different notice um, that so yeah so new chance uh has has that sped up in the last couple of years in terms of you uh seeing growth with it or you getting more ambitious with it or it's it feels like it's always the thing that is I'm doing in between the time I do everything else to make money uh -huh. and but I think also I kind of keep it that way because I'm protective of it mm -hmm. and also I've been learning I've just been learning mm -hmm. I've been learning you're learning I've been teaching myself how to do all the things and trying to get good at them and like you know sometimes I'm it is hard to be in the moment when I'm performing because I have so many things on my mind of what of because I'm kind of like making all the music and making sure that I remember how to yeah. do things. And yeah. like, it's not and you're it's, singing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like using two parts of my brain at once. Mm -hmm. So, um, I feel like what I'm working on now is, is about being in the moment. Mm -hmm. But now that I've done all this groundwork, it's like, I have the skills, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Um, but I don't know. I, I, I feel like, uh, I feel like I like it and I feel mm -hmm. like people like it. So Yeah. I mean I was yeah. I I like it. <laughs> yeah. And what was the other collaboration at the music gallery that you were telling me about? Um that you're you're up to? Yeah, I'm working on a collaboration with a reggae artist named Willie Williams. Wow. And that is wow. music gallery. I know. Well, it's exciting. What kind of a, uh, like, how, is he older or is it? He's a, older. A, yeah. He's like, I think almost 70. Wow. Yeah. 
and he's been making music since and singing since he was like a teenager. That's so cool. Yeah. How did that come about? Um, David Dax at the music gallery put that together in his mind. Ooh. Yeah. And actually we went and had a meeting at your favorite, your, the place you recommended to me, Russell and Still. Love Russell and Still. We had, I was like, I've been recommended a place. Like it was shortly <laughs> after you recommended it to me, like literally the next day or something. Right. Um, I, I was like, let's have the meeting at this place. And then he proposed this idea that he had come up with this curatorial idea. Did he enjoy it? Russell and Still? Yes, I think so. How can you not? It's lovely. This is David or Willie? This is David I had the okay. meeting with. Yeah. Who was kind of like, I have this idea. Would you be interested in this? And I was like, yeah. Like, I knew I knew Willie Williams. I mean, I, he has a huge catalog. I don't know all his music, but, mm -hmm. like, I know his I know his voice and I know his, like, most famous music. Is he from our city? I guess, like, he's from Jamaica. Mm -hmm. I think he... Um, I don't know when he moved here, but he lives in Newmarket now, mm, so cool. he's not exactly around the corner. No, he's around a corner. But he's around he's around eight corners, corners, and it's closer than Jamaica. But Jamaica to Newmarket. Jamaica to Newmarket, exactly. Do you want to play a tune? I think we got to get out of here. I so, know we man. must have been talking for so long. We have, but it's been fun. I know it's so fun. I could yeah. go on. I could go on and on. Me too. If Jenny was here, it would be like six-hour podcast <laughs> and it would just be like you do it like a two-part like our voices would be hoarse yeah well our voices already are kind of hoarse so. i know so I they, they can only get exactly you have a yeah, anyway you don't it's okay <laughs> so now i'm gonna play a song i hope that it sounds okay cool and it's just such a small intimate situation and I where can people hear it. new chance uh on, on the on the web well they could hear new chance on soundcloud mm -hmm. or on spotify or on bandcamp I'm on SoundCloud as well, podcast. Nice. So, yeah, so sure to bring we'll, it up. Yeah, we'll be connected. Very there. cool. Um, I like I like SoundCloud still, I guess. Uh, yeah, it's, it does the job for me. Everyone's just worried it'll always go out of business or something. So that's, I actually also love YouTube, but I never put my music on YouTube. I love I YouTube. Should. I think it's so cool the way music is on YouTube. Me too. There's so much obscure stuff on YouTube. Yeah, it's, exactly. it's shocking. Exactly. You can discover. I really yeah. discover things on YouTube. That's me where too. I discover music. Yeah, yeah I've been for, like listening almost religiously to Alice Coltrane, and it's it's partly because... Her, her entire records are, are very accessible on YouTube. Yeah. You know? And then yeah. the Sanders ones are, and then all these other people's are. Dorothy yeah. Ashby. You know? Well, that sounds like some great vibes. It is great get vibes. Into. I drive listening to Spotify's Alice Coltrane Radio, which is Can and Alice Coltrane and Ferris Sanders and other stuff and, and even bands like uh, Captain Beefheart that I didn't actually use to appreciate, but they have some more melodic things that I didn't know were as melodic as they are and, and that uh -huh. appealed to me a lot so wow yeah vibes yeah that's good that's healing vibes healing vibes yeah so what's this i song? mean we need it so bad well this is like kind of a new song that is still um not finished really but it the lyrics are old actually let me get the door yeah and it's um uh i forget what it's called it doesn't it doesn't uh doesn't have a it doesn't have a for sure title. I don't. I don't want to nail it down. Yeah. It might be called Falling, or or it could be called Moon Over Water, or something else from the lyrical content, maybe. <laughs> well, I'll help name it with you after. 
Yeah. Turn it down. Turn it down. Tiny bit. You want to get the vocals audible. Yeah, you can make it to your Yeah, just go.
That was great. That was I so was intimate. Bopping my head. That was so intimate and raw. Listening to it raw. <laughs> I felt good. Did you feel good? Yeah. Call it seeping slowly. Seeping slowly. Isn't that something you say in it? Yes, it is. Listen. <laughs> Heard things. Okay, Vic. Thank you for doing Thank this. Thank you. So fun. So fun. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so happy. I'm happy too. and that was my interview with new chance with victoria chong the amazing the wonderful the kind all that good stuff that's how i feel about vic what a fun person and what a chill person and what a great musician it was really cool having her play uh in my room (laughs) a song and the amp was courtesy of emily mover uh who is my neighbor and emily uh gave me her amp to borrow and that was why Victoria was able to sing. So thanks, Emily. Be sure to check out our episode and be sure to check out of a hotel on time. There are other people who need to go to that hotel. Don't be selfish. And check out newchance.bandcamp.com for all the info on the goings on of New Chance. (laughs) Of New Chance. Also, Victoria is doing a bunch more stuff. And let me just bring up see if I can find what what she was telling me. She has that collaboration we were talking about and um, there's just a lot. So just just find her Vic's Anointed Favorites on Instagram. You'll hear all about the cool stuff she's doing. She deserves all the support in the world. Take care. Thanks. See you soon. Nick. Flanagan. Weekly. Nick. Flanagan Weekly.